the state has a habit of struggling to make big decisions, which is one of the things that the CCA has brought about. It's brought conviction to the decision-making process in setting the policy and strategy for the island. But ultimately, it cannot exist forever. And the longer it exists, the harder it is to transition away from. Welcome to the Bailiwick Express podcast. My name is Matthew Leach. I'll be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the Bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on some of the most important issues we in the Bailiwick face. The Civil Contingencies Authority retains its executive powers almost 18 months after the beginning of the COVID pandemic. There remains no indication of when the emergency decision-making powers will be ceded back to the states or what the future arrangements will look like. This is despite the former chair of the CCA asking about the definition of an emergency and the continued need for an emergency body. I sat down with the editor of the Bailiwick Express, Aaron Carpenter, to pick apart the CCA, how it was formed and the need for it going forward. I think in recent months there has been an increasing amount of discussion about what happens after the CCA. Because we know that we have an emergency decision-making committee and it's quasi-executive in its constitution. Um, It features the precedence of four committees. feels a bit like the Policy Council, which was previously dismissed um, in 2016 when the form of government was. It's a system that is designed by law to get the island through emergency situations. It's been noted before by Deputy Heidi Salisbury, for example, who is the acting chair if Deputy Fairbrush is is not available for any reason. She's been an advisor to the current CCA. And of course, she was the health and social care president and a full voting member of the CCA during the previous political term. She's remarked, um, I think quite rightly, that um, the CCA was not designed for a long-lasting emergency. The CCA was actually came about largely due to the fuel, the fuel crisis in 2008, when Guernsey was in a position where there was only three, four days left of fuel. There was a, a ship impounded in, in the harbour because the, the company that owned it had collapsed and they desperately needed to get fuel to the island. During that time, for example, there was a complete news blackout as to what was happening uh, in order to avoid panic buying, in order to exacerbate the crisis in that way. Um, That was dealt with by the Policy Council, which the states got rid of in 2016. And it was recognised at the time that there needed to be an emergency body that could be called into action, that could make significant executive-style decisions Um, in response to emergencies. So a fuel crisis, a crash at Guernsey Airport, that kind of thing. It was not designed, and this is something that Deputy Salisbury remarked, it was not designed with a long-lasting emergency in mind. That was not anticipated, although obviously there has been previous work um, in 2019, for example, within public health about how you plan for a pandemic and that kind of preparatory work would have been going on within that kind of department before that as well. What it shows, um, and you can see this if you read the legislation, which, you know, obviously most people are not going to do, and it's very long-winded, that it doesn't define very well when an emergency ceases to be an emergency situation. 
Does it define what constitutes an emergency in the first instance? The explanation that it gives, or the, the short explanation, is that in this law, ex- emergency means an event or situation which threatens serious damage to human welfare or the environment in the bailiwick, uh, and part B, war or terrorism, which threatens serious damage to the security of the bailiwick. Now, obviously that's quite generalised by necessity. Um, you, you, you could not define law based on lots and lots of unanticipated circumstances. So it further adds kind of subheadings to that um, in terms of protecting human life, uh, treating human illness or injury, and taking action which not only prevents these things, but controls or mitigates what would come about if you were to leave that kind of situation, emergency situation, unresponded to. A pandemic clearly fits within the framework of the civil contingencies law, but it doesn't give much guidance, and I think this is apparent from this week's states meeting, about how you actually emerge out from the CCA, how you bring things back onto a normal um, kind of legislative footing. The, the discussion we're increasingly having, and we're hearing it from the CCA, is that we should learn to live with COVID, which by its very definition means not an emergency. And we're going from pandemic to endemic situation. An endemic is clearly not an emergency. It's the transition um, from pandemic to endemic, which probably manages how we move away from the CCA. But we're yet to see any timeline. We're yet to be told exactly what the triggers are. And we don't know what it will look like. So the CCA, did it ex- has it been implemented before? Well, you talk about the fuel crisis, but it sounded like this came because of that. Mm. But has it been um, instilled or, or instigated at any point in the past? I, I believe this is the first time it's really been called upon since the law was um, enacted in 2011-2012. So yeah, the fuel crisis was one of the, the tipping points as to we need this kind of body in place. As with all states, things it took a few years to draft the less necessary legislation being used in this way and it's been in place for just over 18 months now and so what precedents are being set by the cca retaining this power well we have a consensus government and within that consensus government i think whether you want to admit it or not you have what is essentially an executive structure our response to covid feeds into every major state's priority and so you talk about powers there um, and potentially them reverting back to the states. What, For clarification, what exact powers are we talking about here? So there are four committees who are represented um, on the CCA. That's Policy and Resources, Environment and Infrastructure, Home Affairs and Health and Social Care. If their presidents are not available, their vice presidents will be sworn in instead. And there are two representatives, nominated representatives of the States of Albany and the, and the uh, Sarks government chief police. They are able to make decisions, very wide ranging decisions that impact our lives. And they don't need to consult the rest of the states to do so. So they will receive laws, so they will receive advice from and they will obviously receive support from the law officers in St. James Chambers but they can make regulations and then only afterwards do those regulations go to the states for approval or for sight of, uh, of those regulations. 
uh, the chair of the CCA recently argued for its continued existence? And how does that tie in with potential future iterations of the CCA? The, the argument, first of all, and it's mainly been put forward by the former CCA chairman, Deputy Gavin St. Pierre, he's questioned his successor, Deputy Peter Furbrush, asking how the CCA is currently satisfying itself that the conditions of emergency are still met, that they're still proportionate to the situation that we are now in. You know, 90% of the Bailiwick's population, adult population, able to be vaccinated, has been fully vaccinated. That has been the, the key throughout the pandemic. That, that's the difference now compared to when we went into lockdown in January. It's the vaccination programme that has since been, been very successful in attra- you know, attracting a very high proportion of our, our population. The response from Deputy Furbrush highlights that there are still 22% of the total population who are unvaccinated. However, that is mostly people under the age of 16 who you know, have not had the chance. And so we don't know when or if that chance will even arise. And we've been told that people under that certain age, actually, they're not as impacted by the virus as, as the people who have been vaccinated above that age anyway. If they were, um, I think it would have been considered more of a priority to, to, to do the analysis of whether they should be vaccinated before now, um, you know, with the medical you know, committees in the UK. There is, uh, you know, as we understand it, a piece of work underway which is being conducted by some of the CCA's advisers as to um, alternative legislation, as to how you could make the, the regulations in the future. That work is still ongoing and there's no there's no time frame. I think it's the point that was made in the states this week by Deputy Fairbrush was that, and I'll quote this: uh, the CCA would love to be in a situation to say it doesn't have to make these regulations anymore. Our duties are over. We need to move forward, but we are not there yet. I can't say whether it should be three months. I can't say whether it should be six months, but I can say it should be a limited period of time well it's pretty obvious that it should be a limited period of time it should be limited to the duration of the emergency there is no time frame and as things stand we could be in a situation six months from now where you still have the cca at the top of our government and the some of the questions that are starting to rise and it's a point that I guess we can have circled back round to is that there's increasing questions from a small number of deputies which is um really kind of capturing that need to have a discussion about this. Deputy Peter Ruffey, for example, has raised a point about the need for further explanation beyond that which has already been put forward by the CCA chairman on the continuation of emergency powers when the island has a government which is otherwise operating as normal. Others have said that moving the powers back to health and social care is a more pragmatic way moving forwards where you still get that that expertise of advice from from the public health side from the from the side of the you know the hospital management and those the health implications can continue to be managed by people who who specialize in that area but that you move the overarching strategy back to the states i guess then if it evolved back into an emergency you could reinstate the cca again Oh yeah, that remains not only in place, but as we learnt during the second lockdown, calling the CCA into action a second time, when you know how it works, once there's public familiarity with it, once it's a trusted body, it's much easier than doing it the first time. When suddenly, you know, 
did you know when the pandemic hit in March 2020 that something called the CCA would arise um, and that there'd be, you know, that there would be a small number of deputies representing and making decisions on the very minute details of your life? You talk about that public awareness. I mean, do you think, can you speak to whether or not there is public awareness of this situation at the moment? Is there an opinion on, on the continued existence of the CCA? I think it's become normalised during a situation which is extraordinary. There's a couple of remarks that I don't like, but we see them during every press briefing where, you know, where one, politi- one politician talks about, well, on the show today, my guest stars are... There's an element of theatre to it. It's about how it looks as well as what it's doing. And during the, you know, during the pandemic, during those lockdowns, people were glued to it to the media briefings, which is the the public face, if you like, of the CCA, because we don't have access to their, their meetings or retrospective summaries of their decisions. So the public face to it is the media briefings, um, even though that doesn't represent the full CCA. And I think that has, I think it's just, it instills some comfort when it's, you know, when there's been dark times. But it also needs to uphold that trust. The CCA should not look like it's remaining in power for longer than is necessary. That is crucial to public confidence in it. It's crucial if it needs to be called upon again. And we don't need to know exactly what the solution is now, but we need to be able to have a conversation with it without people being accused of criticising the CCA, because this is simply a structure, it's a government structure set out in law, which was not designed for a public health pandemic. There needs to be a, you know, a review of how you move away sensibly and safely from having the strategy set by the CCA, how you put that back into the remit of the states without losing public confidence in decision making, because as we know, the states has a habit of struggling to make big decisions, which is one of the things that the CCA has brought about. It's brought conviction to the decision making process in setting the policy and strategy for the island. But ultimately, it cannot exist forever. And the longer it exists, the harder it is to transition away from. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps. And remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.